Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're speaking today about PCI compliance, and we're speaking with the man who literally wrote the book on PCI compliance, Tony Bradley, Director of Security with Evangelize Communications. Tony, thanks so much for making time for me today. No problem. Thank you very much for having me on. Tony, tell us a little bit about your work and the updates you're, you're doing to your book now. Um, okay. Well, you know, a, a lot of my work, um, you know, with Evangelize Communications is, uh, you know, is a Microsoft partner for for Unified Communications, and um, you know, we do a lot of voice VoIP type stuff. And um, as the director of security, actually, one of the things that I've been focusing on and 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 trying to bring more to the forefront is where compliance fits into that because, you know, anytime there's a new technology like voice over IP, like unified communications, it seems like there's a, uh, you know, security kind of lags behind uh, the, the, the curve and then compliance is a little bit further behind that curve. So, you know, a lot of organizations have implemented voice over IP and unified communications, but, you know, now I'm trying to, you know, bring security uh, you know more to the forefront and, and make sure that organizations are aware of the security implications of that and the uh, compliance commu- uh, implications of that um, as it relates to PCI DSS or SOX or HIPAA because now you've got you know all these different forms of communications and data that are being converged and 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 you know sort of shared on the same wire and uh, and it introduces some some issues that I think a lot of organizations aren't really aware of and um, and as you alluded to, um, you know, I was the uh, lead author and tech editor of uh, PCI compliance uh, from Singress Publishing that came out in 2006. Um, Anton Chivakin, uh, who's a you know very respected security expert, um, he's a, a I forget his exact title, but uh, you know basically the the head of the uh, PCI uh, DSS compliance um, component of Qualys uh, currently. Um, he and I are going to be co-authoring a second edition of that book to be coming out later this year. Now, what will be in the second edition that wasn't in the first? Well, um, a couple of things. I mean, we learned some lessons from the first book. Um, you know, one of the things was the book has been, it, it's been very well received. Um, I think we've gotten a lot of uh, kudos on the book. It's It's been a success. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing a second edition. At the same time, you know, we had a number of authors in there, and, and I think when you do that, it, it lets you get the book out faster, but it also introduces, you know, different styles, different, you know, you know it, it kind of disrupts the continuity. So that's one of the things. By just having the two of us, I think we're going to get a better flow to the book. But um, more importantly, what we're going to do is we're going to introduce more um, sort of how-to and real-world case studies. So instead of, you know, sort of the theoretical just talking about, well, what is PCI DSS and, and kind of describing it, we're going to go into more detail about, all right, well, now, now that we've given you that information, what are you supposed to do with it? And, and what are the real-world examples of, of why or how you should do it? Um, so we think that that's an important uh, change to this second edition. And then it will also be updated to reflect, um, you know, the changes that have, that have occurred with the PCI DSS guidelines. Um, you know, since we released the book initially back in 2006. Well, Tony, let's talk about a couple of real-world cases. PCI has been in the news of late because of the Hannaford Brothers and the Heartland Payment Systems data breaches. Everybody seems to be talking about it. And I guess from your perspective, I'd like to know, 
What's most misunderstood about PCI DSS compliance? I think that the the most misunderstood thing about PCI DSS compliance is that people seem to expect it to be a silver bullet of sorts. That um, you know, they, they people look at any breach like Heartland or Hannaford or TJX or whatever. If that breach occurs with an organization who was, you know, allegedly PCI DSS compliant, then it's looked at as a failure um, of PCI DSS. And I don't think that that's a, a, you know, necessarily a fair assessment. You know, I think that you know PCI DSS is just it's a, it's a framework, it's, it's security guidelines, it's, it's laying a foundation, um, but there just is no. There is no silver bullet that's going to protect 100. percent You know, it's, it's basically a, a, you know, best practice, best effort. You know, hopefully, if organizations are following, you know, the spirit and the letter of the law with PCI DSS, then they're going to be more secure than they were, and and hopefully prevent these things. But nothing that we do as security professionals, and nothing, you know, no no measures that a, that an organization can put in place can be 100. percent So I'm not. I'm not trying to, uh, uh, you know, vouch for Hannaford or Heartland or TJX or anyone else and say that they absolutely were doing that. I'm just alluding to the, uh, you know, sort of the backlash I see, uh, you know, in the media and from security experts where they say, well, this is an example of why PC, PCI DSS isn't working. Now, the, the news over the weekend was that Heartland and RBS WorldPay, both of them payment processors that suffered recent breaches, are off of Visa's compliant uh, vendors list or processors list. What really does that mean? Um, you know, with RBS, I'm not I'm not as as sure what's going on with RBS. With Heartland, they, you know, they have been removed from the list of you know PCI DSS compliant vendors. Um, you know, but uh, but they've also said that they're on probation. You know, so they haven't like cut them off. Um, they've basically they put them on probation. They said, you know, we're, we're taking you off of this PCI DSS compliant list. Um, you know, I think that the the sort of cascade effect to that is whether or not you know their vendors, you know, their their customers. I mean, um, end up jumping ship because I think you know. There are some implications there of if I'm a customer of Heartland and you know and I'm processing you know my credit card transactions through Heartland, who is now no longer PCI DSS compliant, then my transactions are you know seemingly also not PCI DSS compliant any longer. So on the one hand, that that would seem to be the case that if I'm a customer, I would want to look at moving my business. Um, but on the other hand, I'm not sure that was really what Visa had in mind because, again, they didn't cut them off entirely, and they just put them on probation. So I don't think they necessarily meant for all of their customers to bail. Now, just step back a little bit and look at the state of PCI compliance. Just based on what you see in the industry, what is the state of compliance today? Well, I think the state of compliance is is, is actually, you know, pretty good. Um, I think that, you know, Especially compared with some of the other um, compliance mandates out there, you know the, the Sarbanes-Oxley and the HIPAAs and GLBA and you know, different, you know, different uh, you know, regulatory and industry 
mandates that are out there, I think the PCI DSS has been um, very well accepted um, for the most part, and that that the nature of PCI DSS um, I, it, it, it's a it's a, a somewhat simpler uh, and more direct uh, set of guidelines. You know, so I think that it's easier to follow um, without being so uh, stringent that it tells you exactly which controls to put in place. So, I mean, I, I think that organizations are adopting it. Um, I don't think we're, you know, 100%. I think some organizations can do better. Um, and then, But I think the, the bigger thing is, and I think this goes for all compliance for all organizations, though, is to not look at it like an implementation project. It's not something that you just launch and then you're done, or you don't put some stuff in place, pass your audit, and then say, great, we're compliant, now we're done. It's an ongoing process. It has to be something you keep an eye on, you know, quarterly, monthly, weekly, you know, whatever. You have to be watching. You have to keep in mind that over time, even if you were compliant, you know, at the beginning of the year, you're adding users, you're subtracting users, you're getting new vendors, you're getting new customers, you're implementing different technologies within your network. Things are constantly changing. And, you know, so the, the the compliance aspect of those changes has to be kept in mind so that, you know, I would say that at least on a quarterly basis, that has to be reviewed again. You have to keep keep looking at that and say, okay, yeah, we were compliant, but now we've introduced this server and we've got this thing going on over here. We've got new partners and we're connected with new vendors. And, and what are the impacts, you know, to our overall security? And just making sure that you you've sort of adopted it as more of a as more of a culture than an actual you know than just a project. Tony, are there certain types of businesses that you would say are any more or less compliant than others if you were to generalize? Um if I were to generalize, I would say that yeah, I mean I don't want to I don't want to accuse any particular industries per se, but I, I think that um by their nature of you know being very distributed and very you know having a many many small outlets that um, that retailers are at somewhat of a a disadvantage or whatever so things like 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 TJX um, because you know they can do all these things to you know make sure that they're compliant in their data center and that they, you know, they've got the policies and procedures and the technologies and the security controls in place at headquarters, but it's a little bit more difficult when you start talking about hundreds or thousands of outlets scattered across North America, across the world or whatever, um, and making sure that every single one of those is also uh, you know, maintaining their compliance uh, when, it, when it comes to um, you know, point-of-sale systems that might be communicating wirelessly and wireless communications in general, I think, are a big deal. Um, you know, so I think, I just think that that's harder. So, you know, some, some uh, you know, some industries, I think it's a little bit easier for them to get compliant and stay compliant and, uh, you know, with retailers and, and possibly even uh, you can include uh, some of the banking industry in that with all the various, you know, bank branches. It's just, it's a lot of different, uh, um, a lot of different locations and space to, keep tabs on and to ensure that, you know, all of the communications going back and forth and all of the transactions are secure. What have you found to be organization's biggest challenges in becoming PCI compliant? Um, 
Well, I think you know one of the biggest challenges in in my mind has been with um, you know with the wireless and and sort of the trying to find the balance between the, you know you you want to be able to utilize new technologies you want to be able to you know leverage those and, and operate more efficiently but trying to make sure that you're doing that in a secure way and make sure that you're doing that in a way that's um, that's still compliant you know one of the things um, that had been you know directed orig- originally was that you know wireless networks should be a separate VLAN, you know, there should be a ne- network segregation between the wireless network and the and the uh, data network. Um, but you know, first of all, I think that you know, VLAN as a security measure um, is not as uh, foolproof as as it has been portrayed or whatever. I think that there are ways to circumvent that, and so just implementing a VLAN, I don't think, is really secure enough. But the other side of that being um, what I started off talking about, which is as companies are moving towards, you know, there's more convergence and there's unified communications and, and they're, they're trying to tie more things together, which goes against the grain of trying to segregate them and lock them down. Um, yes, I think that's, that's one piece. And then, you know, part of the changes with PCI DSS this last fall um, were that originally, you know, uh, web encryption was, was considered okay. And uh, WEP has now been you know, eliminated, and you're supposed to at least have WPA or better yet WPA2 uh, encryption for wireless networks, and that um, that I think is sort of a, a big thing, just because a lot of organizations hadn't hadn't even caught up to getting the web security in place and, and, and set up properly, and now it's already you know we've already moved beyond that. Tony, one of the statements I hear about PCI compliance quite a bit is that you know, PCI is a standard. It's not necessarily a regulation. There's a difference there because of the, the teeth you can put into something like this. As someone who is, is pretty intimate with PCI, where are the teeth in this standard? In other words, what happens if an entity isn't compliant? What sort of um, what can the council or the, the PCI lines do? Well, you know, I mean, I think that that's, that's the frustration that uh, you know that I've, I've experienced as well. I mean, I think that. You know, the one example being, you know, that Heartland, uh, for example, has been, you know, like we said, they've been removed from the PCI DSS compliant vendor list, but they're also just on probation, and and overall, it seems like kind of a kind of a slap on the wrist compared with the the level of the breach, the severity of the breach. Now, um, Heartland, in particular, from what I can see, is an example of an organization who. Was PCI DSS compliant, and that the method by which they were breached was something that was not uh, easily uh, guarded against. It was not easily seen. Um, you know, unlike the TGX breach, which was basically just a, a lapse in judgment on on wireless security, the Heartland situation seems like you know they did what they were supposed to do, and they got breached anyway. Um, so in that regard, I can sort of understand the probation, but the, but again, if getting back to the teeth, the frustration is that it doesn't seem like anything is happening. It doesn't seem like, you know, within the within the PCI DSS guidelines, um, and which as as you said, it's not a law. I mean, it's not like Sarbanes-Oxley or HIPAA, which is a, you know the federal mandates and their actual laws, and you can go to jail for not being Sarbanes-Oxley compliant. Um, these are just guidelines. 
but they're industry guidelines from a powerful industry. You know, so if if the credit card industry as a whole, if they stepped up and said, you know what, you're not in compliance with PCI DSS, therefore we're not going to let you do business, that can, you know, you can put a business, you can, you can put a company out of business by taking away their ability to, you know, accept or process credit card transactions. So there, even though it's not a law um, and it's not a regulation, I think that they could have much bigger teeth than they've shown. Um, and that that, you know, is, is I think part of the problem in, in, in what little area there is left of non-compliance. I think that some organizations are looking and saying, well, what's the big deal? You know, I mean, you know, we have organizations who've had these massive breaches. You know, they've, they've been uncompliant and, you know, huge data breaches and, and in the end, it didn't really cost them that much. You know, I mean, TJX still in business, still doing fine. Stock's doing, you know, relatively okay. So, you know, the downside doesn't really seem to be there. So, I, from my perspective, I, I would, I would like to see, um, some, some stronger teeth. I would like to see some stronger reaction. And even though it's not a law, I think that the, you know, credit card industry does have the power to, you know, hand out some, some stiffer penalties. Tony, there's a question I've been wondering about. In all this discussion about Heartland, all we've really heard about have been Visa and MasterCard. Where are the other credit card brands in all this discussion, and why aren't their names coming up? Well, I think I think partly it's a matter of volume. I mean, you know, certainly there are other um, credit card brands. You know, they're all, you know they're involved in the in the PCI DSS you know, coalition, you know, Discover and American Express and, you know, some of the international brands. Um, but I think in terms of market share or in terms of, you know, the total number of, you know, both end users who are using the cards and retailers or, you know, businesses that accept the cards, um, I think Visa and MasterCard uh, are, are somewhat dominant in that area. Um, so I think that is, is, is a big part of it because, you know, especially in North America, you know, it's just the, the the odds of a company accepting Visa and Mastercard or a user using Visa and Mastercard are significantly higher. So I think that's why they get more attention. That makes sense, Tony. Frighteningly enough, we're almost a, th- a fourth of the way, a quarter of the way through this year. As you look ahead to the next three quarters of the year, what do you see will be the top, say, three PCI stories for the remainder of 2009? Well, let's see. I, one, I think, will be, you know, what, what I was referring to earlier, you know, or, or at least it should be, which is um, the, you know, getting a grasp on sort of balancing or, you know, finding the right mix of being able to adopt new technology and still be PCI DSS compliant. So I think there even might be, need to be some some clarifications from the PCI DSS, you know, from, from the PCI Council um, on, you know, some of these issues uh, as it relates to, um, you know, the unified communications and the wireless communications and um, making sure that we have some clear guidance on, you know, what is and is not accepted um, in that regard. Um, you know, I, I think the, the second thing I think would just be um, – you know, I, I think you'll, you'll see a continued focus on what is the state of compliance. You know, are our organizations even um, compliant to begin with? 
And part of that story is going to be what we were just talking about. What are the repercussions of, of not being compliant? So I think, you know, the ongoing story, especially with the recent news of Heartland's probation, will be sort of looking at, okay, well, what has been the impact to TJX? What's the impact to Heartland? What's the impact to Hannaford or RBS or, or whatever? Um, and then the discussion will be around, did the PCI DSS, uh, you know, as a, as a compliance, uh, as a set of compliance rules, did it do its job? Did the credit card industry do its job in, in levying penalties or, or, you know, doing something about it when, when, the, when the breaches occurred? And then what's the long-term impact? Are these companies suffering at all or, you know, or, you know, are they just going along fine? And, and sadly, the third thing, third, third story, uh, you know, would be that I, I don't think I would uh, say it's outside the realm of possibility that we just you know, end up hearing another, another Heartland, another TJX, you know, another another breach, and and sort of seeing where that takes us. And so the fourth story is going to be that your book will be coming out when? Um, I'm not sure that's 100 percent decided. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a on a limb and say late summer. Excellent. So uh, you can look for it then, and you know, maybe we can uh, talk again between now and then. Very good, Tony. We look forward to your, your new edition of the book coming out, and I want to thank you for giving us your time and your insight today. Thank you very much. We've been talking with Tony Bradley, Director of Security with Evangelized Communications. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.